everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I am your host, the one and only Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and rewarding our favorite films of each year starting in 1928. We'll discuss our brave thoughts on each film we nominate, and comment on the actual Oscar year, and some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We will be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes too. The amount of categories will also grow over time as a sort of tie-in to the Academy's evolution over time. My guest today is going to be filmmaker Zach Laws. Um, Zach, welcome. It's so exciting to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you, Gabe. I'm happy to be here. Nice to uh, nice to meet you. So, how are you doing today? How's your day been so far? So far, so good. Hope the same goes for you, Gabe. Very good. So, today we're going to be talking about the films of 1941, and there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this year, but I think a good place to start would be to ask, as always, what were your favorite films from this year that were not eligible? This can be any film that was released in 1941, but was not on the reminder list of eligible releases. Uh, I'll be honest with the game. I'm kind of drawing a blank, um, so I don't know if you have any titles. Well, there is the Wolfman, which I was surprised to, uh, which I was surprised to learn was not uh, eligible for Academy Awards this year for some reason. What was the deal with that? Do you know? I don't know. I really don't know. Well. It's too bad because it would have been a surefire makeup and hairstyle and nominee in my ballot. Yeah. It is weird. And, yeah. So, I guess now is a great time to start announcing our nominees, starting with special effects, ending with picture. And, as we've done for the past uh, couple of episodes, we take turns announcing our nominees, and the guest goes first. So, okay, wonderful. Uh, so, in the category of special effects, my nominees are Citizen Kane, The Invisible Woman, The Sea Wolf, That Hamilton Woman, and A Yank in the RAF. Interesting selection of nominees. I definitely get the um, Citizen Kane nomination. Now that I think of it, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. really innovative photographic effects there. So, yeah, my nominees are The Devil and Daniel Webster, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, I Wanted Wings, That Hamilton Woman, and Topper Returns. Uh, that's a very good list of nominations. I perhaps should have stolen some of those from my own. So, one second, I need to let my cat out. Go ahead. So next is Best Film Editing. Okay, my nominees in that category are Citizen Kane, High Sierra, How Green Was My Valley, The Maltese Falcon, and Sergeant York. 
nice. I definitely uh, see like the editing work and all those nominees. So mine are Citizen Kane, How Green Is My Valley, The Little Foxes, The Maltese Falcon, and Pepe Limoco. That's an interesting Pepe Limoco nomination. I like that. Yeah. I was surprised to learn it was actually eligible this year, and I decided why not just throw it some nominations. So next we have Best Makeup. Okay, um, my nominees in that category are The Black Cat, Citizen Kane, The Devil and Daniel Webster, The Little Foxes, and Sergeant York. Um, I'm half inclined to put in The Wolfman there, but as you said, it wasn't eligible for some reason. So there you have it. Hold on, like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting set of nominees. So, mine are Citizen Kane, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, How Green Was My Valley, The Little Foxes, and That Hamilton Woman. Good. I think it was something, I think it was something like How Green Was My Valley, I mostly remember, like, the, uh, I think this smog on their faces. Yeah, it really adds a lot of texture and uh, places you in the uh, specific setting of the film. Wow. Good nomination. So next we have Best Costume Design. Okay, my nominees in that category are Ball of Fire, Citizen Kane, How Green Was My Valley, the Lady Eve and the Little Foxes. Very interesting. I like all those nominees and Ball of Fire. I think its biggest selling point for me would be uh, the dresses that Barbara Stanwyck wears. Like, those are just such incredibly well designed dresses. Uh, by Edith Head, who also did the costumes for The Lady Eve, starring Barbara Stanwyck. So, uh, she really had a specialty, that lady. Edith Head could do no wrong, it seems. Um, so, my nominees are Citizen Kane, The Devil and Daniel Webster, Ladies in Retirement, The Little Foxes, and That Hamilton Woman. Uh, yeah, that Hamilton woman, uh, as I'm looking at the list now, would have been a, a good nominee for me as well, but, uh, well. Yeah, it is what it is. So next we have Best Art Direction. Okay, my nominees in that category are Citizen Kane, How Green Was My Valley, The Little Foxes, Sergeant York, and That Hamilton Woman. Nice set of nominations there. So mine are Citizen Kane, How Green Was My Valley, Ladies in Retirement, The Little Foxes, and That Hamilton Woman. 
going hard on the ladies in retirement. Yeah, you'll see it in more uh, <laughs> categories going forward. It was it really surprised me how much I liked that movie. Mm. So next we have best sound recording, which is basically what they called best sound or best sound recording at the time. Okay, my nominees in that category are Citizen Kane, Fantasia, How Green Was My Valley, Sergeant York, and That Hamilton Woman. Nice. So my nominees are Ball of Fire, Citizen Kane, How Green Was My Valley, Mike Train to Munich, and That Hamilton Woman. Good set of nominees. I like Night Train to me in a quite a bit. That's uh, great. Uh, Carol Reed, right? That's the Carol Reed movie. Yeah. yeah. I did consider it in other categories, and I do love The Third Man. So I look forward to seeing Carol Reed's other films. And I think Fantasia is an inspired choice for a nomination. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it is all about the music, so. You know. Good selling point there. So next we have Best Cinematography. Okay, uh, I have in that category Citizen Kane, How Green Was My Valley, Maltese Falcon, Sergeant York, and That Hamilton Woman. And my nominees we seem to overlap in all but one nominee. So my nominees are Citizen Kane, Hogwarts My Valley, Ladies in Retirement, The Maltese Falcon, and That Hamilton Woman. So uh, uh, just about a straight, what, uh, black and white list of nominations for us? Or am I forgetting one color? Uh, I was considering color, but I consider it kind of a wasteland for color cinematography this year. Mm-hmm. I guess you have blood and sand and blossoms and dust, but I'm not sure they really age well in terms of how they use their color cinematography. I, I would agree with that, yeah. Uh, there's, there's no real uh, uh, innovative use of that color this year. So. It's certain, there's certainly no beef of Baghdad or God with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next we have best original score. Okay. Um, and my nominees in that category are Citizen Kane, How Green Was My Valley, The Little Foxes, Sergeant York, and Suspicion. I accept nominees. So my nominees are Citizen Kane. How Green's My Valley, Ladies in Retirement, The Little Foxes, and The Maltese Falcon. I considered putting in The Maltese Falcon. I don't, I don't quite know why I didn't, but there you have it. It was a strong year for this category, to be fair. Mm -hmm. So next is Best Original Song. Okay, so... Uh, my nominees in that category are Blues in the Night from Blues in the Night, uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B from Buck Privates, 
Baby Mine from Dumbo, The Last Time I Saw Paris from Lady Be Good, and Since I Kissed My Baby Goodbye from You'll Never Get Rich. Nice. Uh, this was a strong year for a song, like, and one song for the year that I just always go back to when I think of this year in songs, but I'll get to that. So, my nominees are Baby Mine from Dumbo, Be Honest With Me from Riding on a Rainbow, Shatanuga Choo Choo from Sun Valley Serenade, um, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company, uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B from Buck Privates, and The Last Time I Saw Paris from Lady Be Good. It's a little bit of overlap there. Uh, got a couple of the old standards on there in our set of nominations. Yeah. So next we have Best Animated Short Film. Okay, uh, my nominees there are Linda Paw. The Night Before Christmas, Rhapsody and Rivets, Superman, and Truant Officer Donald. Nice. So, my nominees are Linda Paw, The Night Before Christmas, Rhapsody and Rivets, Superman, and Truant Officer Donald. Uh, we match five for five. I think that's the first time that's happened, hasn't it? Yeah. So next we have Best Foreign Film. Uh, okay, I'm going to be honest. Uh, it was tough coming up with uh, nominees for this category just because um, it didn't exist back in the time uh, when, uh, when we're covering this. And um, it's hard to pin down which uh, foreign language films would have been eligible under the Academy rules. So um, I put in um, the 47 Ronin, the Iron Crown and Stormy Waters. My nominees are the same. Uh, um, uh, like I said, I just looked for what I think would have been eligible under what became the Academy rules when this category was uh, was created in 1956, and yeah, I think this is a um, solid set of nominees from what I could find. Uh, there were foreign films uh, based that were eligible for other Academy Awards this year, like Pepe Lamoco or uh, La Bête Humaine by uh, Jean Renoir, uh, which is a great movie, but um, those were. Uh, those were released, I don't think those were released in 1941 in their home country. So I don't know if they would have been eligible or not. So yeah, uh, it's kind of difficult to, uh, to pin down what would have been, but you know, 47 run and that's a great movie as, uh, as we'll talk about more later. So next is best adapted screenplay. Okay, my nominees in that category are Here Comes Mr. Jordan, Hi Sierra, How Green Was My Valley, The Little Foxes, and The Maltese Falcon. So I see a lot of overlap with the Academy, which is very cool. Well, they were good nominees. 
So my nominees are The Devil and Daniel Webster, How Green Is My Valley, The Maltese Falcon, Pepe and the Moco, and The Little Foxes. Good. Good movies. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, The Devil and Daniel Webster mainly for Walter Houston's performance, but I really like that movie. I do too, as um, we'll talk about a little bit later. So next we have Best Original Screenplay. Okay, and uh, my nominees there are Ball of Fire, Citizen Kane, The Lady Eve, Sergeant York, and That Hamilton Woman. Nice. I like that for the nominees. So... Mine are Ball of Fire, Citizen Kane, The Devil and Miss Jones, The Lady Eve, and That Hamilton Woman. So it's a little confusing with these screenplay categories in this uh, era because so many of them claim to be based on original stories by, but um, it's, it's hard to, and of course they had the original story category. It's hard to determine whether or not these would have been considered adapted screenplays like the Lady Eve or, or uh, Ball of Fire, excuse me, under normal uh, Academy rules. Um, but I'm happy to have them in original because it gave some more room for good things and adapted. Yeah, um, I'm guessing they would be, like, under modern day Academy rules, they would be considered original screenplays. Except for Here Comes Mr. Jordan. I have no idea why it was, why that won the motion picture story when it was, like, it was based on a play that was already established. Uh, and you know, that's so, the confusing thing about it. Yeah. yeah. But besides that, I'm pretty sure that most of these nominees in the most motion picture story category would be eligible for original screenplay nowadays. And I'm confused as to why they even had the motion picture story category <laughs> to begin with after they introduced the original screenplay. It's a head scratcher, and it's something that they kept around for a long time, up until the mid '50s. Um, so you'll have a lot more confusion going forward. Yeah. So next is best supporting actress. My nominees there are Sarah Allgood in How Green Was My Valley, Mary Astor in The Maltese Falcon, Dorothy Cummingore in Citizen Kane. Teresa Wright in The Little Foxes, and Margaret Witcherly in Sergeant York. Very good there. So, my nominees are Dorothy Cummingdor for Citizen Kane, Sarah Allgood for How Green Is My Valley, Mary Astor for The Maltese Falcon, Patricia Collins for The Little Foxes, and Teresa Wright for The Little Foxes. You know, I, I almost put Patricia Collins uh, in there for the Little Foxes. I was, it was between her and Margaret Witcherly for my fifth slot. Well, I guess I shouldn't say my fifth slot. People don't know who my winner's going to be yet. But um, I, could, I could easily swap those two out. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm one of those people who prefers Teresa Wright over Patricia Collins. I know some people say that for sure should have won this year, but we'll get more into the winner later on. 
I guess it's worth noting that we did nominate Mary Astor for the Maltese Falcon instead of the role she did win for. Yeah, which is, I have to admit, a movie I've never seen, so... Um, it's, uh, it's campy fun. Well, I'm sure it's not as good as the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So next is Best Supporting Actor. Okay, there I have uh, Walter Brennan in Sergeant York, Charles Coburn in The Lady Eve, Joseph Cotton in Citizen Kane, Donald Crisp in How Green Was My Valley, and Sidney Greenstreet in The Maltese Falcon. This was a stacked year for this category. Like, this was the height of really great character actors just at the peak of the game. Yeah, I, I should say my runners-up would be Peter Lorre in The Maltese Falcon and James uh, Gleason in uh, How Green... Oh, she's, here comes Mr. Jordan. There's too many movies with similar-sounding names this year. Yeah, like two that have all Annie movies. Yeah. I did consider, like, uh, calling all the devil and up the nominees all that money can buy in <laughs> alternate time. Yeah. Avoid confusion. With that other the devil and movie right right that that tripped me up for a second so my nominees are joseph cotton in citizen kane walter houston in the devil and daniel webster donald crisp in how green was my valley peter laurie in the maltese falcon and sydney greenstreet in the maltese falcon Okay, so you put Houston in supporting when he was nominated and lead at the Oscars. So what was your reasoning behind that? Well, uh, it's, um, it's basically because I consider him more of a supporting role in that movie. And yeah, I just thought he belonged in, more in the supporting category. It's as simple as that. Okay. Fair enough. I guess um, we'll talk about that a little later on, too. So next we have Best Actress. My nominees in that category are Betty Davis in The Little Foxes, Joan Fontaine in Suspicion, Greta Garbo in Two-Faced Woman, Ida Lupino in High Sierra, and Barbara Stanwyck for The Lady Eve. That's a solid set of nominees. Um, uh, I guess I'll divulge more into my thoughts on Joan Fontaine this year a bit later, but my nominees are Vivian Lee in That Hamilton Woman, Ida Lupino in Ladies in Retirement, Barbara Stanwyck in The Lady Eve, Betty Davis in The Little Boxes, and Wendy Hiller in Major Barbara. Uh, very good nominees. I. I... I like that uh, Wendy Hiller nomination, particularly Major Barb is a very good movie um, that uh, that uh, deserves a lot of attention. Um, yeah. Wendy Hiller's been good in everything I've seen her in. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting of note that we uh, both nominated Barbara Stanwyck for The Lady Eve and not for Ball of Fire. Um, I should say, uh, unlike the Mary Astor nomination, um, I, uh, I love Ball of Fire. I think it's a really good movie. Um, so there's there's no shade on that for me. I just prefer The Lady Eve. 
Yeah, same here. She's very good in multiplier. So, I don't begrudge that opposition. I just prefer Lordy. Yeah. And interesting that we nominated Ida Lupino for different movies. Yeah, indeed. Um, you are a much bigger fan of Ladies in Retirement than I am, um, as uh, as uh, witnessed by our nominations. I have to check that movie out since um, it seems that you really liked it. Um, I would be interested to see, to see it. Yeah, I would recommend it. Um, so next we have Best Actor. Okay, my nominees there are Humphrey Bogart and the Maltese Falcon, Gary Cooper and Sergeant York, Walter Houston in The Devil and Daniel Webster, Robert Montgomery in Here Comes Mr. Jordan, and Orson Welles in Citizen Kane. Very solid set of nominees, and I understand all of them. So, mine are Orson Welles in Citizen Kane, Charles Coburn in The Devil and Miss Jones, Roddy McDowell in How Green Was My Valley, Henry Fonda in The Lady Eve, and Humphrey Bogart in The Maltese Falcon. Uh, Fonda almost made my list. Um... And interesting. So I heard you say Charles Coburn in The Devil and Mrs. Jones. Now, he got nominated in supporting for that movie. I swapped him out for The Lady Eve. Um, so you just like category swapping all over the place. You don't buy yeah. leader supporting arguments for for either Walter Houston or Charles Coburn. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm not that. I'm not that uptight about category fraud, but <laughs> I, that, I I just couldn't imagine. I mean, I just couldn't picture. I just couldn't get the, behind the argument for Coburn being a supporting player mm. when he is about his relationship with Gene Archer, and they're on equal footing the whole movie. And I guess it just yeah, goes to show you some things never change. Um, you know, people like Coburn, um, Charles Coburn, um, were always considered supporting players, even in movies where they were clearly a lead. But a category of fraud never really bothers me as much as it does some other people. Yeah. Um, and as for someone like Robbie McDowell, I think he gives one of the best child performances of all time. And I just thought, why not give him a nomination? Yeah, he's wonderful in that movie. Yeah. So next we have Best Director. Uh, my nominees there are Orson Welles in Citizen Kane, John Ford in How... Uh, excuse me. Orson Welles for Citizen Kane, John Ford for How Green Was My Valley, William Wyler for The Little Foxes, John Huston for The Maltese Falcon, and Howard Hawks for Sergeant York. Nice. So, my nominees are Orson Walls for Citizen Kane, John Ford for How Green Is My Valley, William Wyler for The Little Foxes, John Huston for The Maltese Falcon, and Alexander Porta for That Hamilton Woman. 
so we almost overlap, except for you have Alexander Porter over uh, Howard Hawks. Yeah. Um, watching a lot of his movies, I um, I really like his distinctive style. I feel like he brings a lot of old Hollywood, almost romantic sensibilities to his movies and gives them a distinctly British feel. Yeah, he's a very unsung talent of that era. Um, so it's, it's good to, to recognize him. Yeah, and I guess you can see why the British Academy Awards would name uh, one of their categories after him, and he commands a certain level of respect within the industry, even if he doesn't get talked about much nowadays. Right. So now the big one, Outstanding Production, which is what they called Best Picture at the time. Okay, so my nominees, and uh, got 10 of them, because that's how many they had back then, are uh, Citizen Kane, Fantasia, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, High Sierra, How Green Was My Valley, The Lady Eve, The Little Foxes, The Maltese Falcon, Sergeant York, and Suspicion. That's a solid set of nominees. I'll admit, uh, I'm not a big fan of Sergeant York or Suspicion. I could tell. Um, with Suspicion, I feel like it's uh, one of Hitchcock's lesser features, and it just suffers in from being released so soon after Rebecca, and also. I just feel like the mystery at the center was not as compelling as it should have been. And with Sergeant York, it was just a type of propaganda war movie that I didn't respond to, and I wasn't a big fan of Gary Cooper's performance. I actually mistook him for other actors in the movie, and that wasn't a good sign for me. Mm. Uh, well, I, you know... I guess we have a disagreement there. I, I think that they're both just good old-fashioned Hollywood entertainments um, from uh, you know great Hollywood film. Well, Hollywood and British and Hitchcock's uh, case, but uh, you know, great uh, craftsmen of the era. I definitely get their place in the Academy Awards, and I do definitely love a lot of films by Howard Hawks and Alfred Hitchcock. So, my nominees are Ball of Fire, Citizen Kane, The Devil and Daniel Webster, How Green Is My Valley, Ladies in Retirement, The Lady Eve, The, Malte- the, the Little Foxes, The Maltese Falcon, Pepe Limoco, and That Hamilton Woman. Uh, good, good list of nominees. I, I'll say, you know, Ball of Fire, that was the second Howard Hawks movie released this year, so he had two films in the Oscar race. Um, I could have easily nominated him for directing that film as well, um, and I think it's um, a testament to his versatility as a filmmaker that he released two such distinctly different uh, films in the same year. 
um, both of which had uh, success with the Academy Awards. Yeah, he he seemed he was one of those directors who seemed to work in every genre. He had film noir, he had western, he had screwball comedy, he had war films, uh, he had gangster movies. He really was a jack of all trades and a master of all of them, I'd argue. Uh, you won't get any disagreement from me on that one. Yeah. And it's crazy that his only Oscar nomination was for Sergeant York, which, um, you know, I don't know if it would even crack the top ten of his best movies. Um, you know, there's Bringing Up Baby, Rio Bravo, Red River, original Scarface. Um, I mean, his Girl Friday, Only Angels Have Wings, lots of lots of really great movies. Um, it's insane. one nomination. I think it was probably because uh, people took him for granted because he was such a yeah. consummate craftsman. And um, I think Sergeant New York was probably um, perceived as the most important film that he had made just by Academy standards. Um, you know, it coming out, um, you know, right around the time when we entered into World War II and um, being such a, you know, based on a true story and, you know, an inspirational kind of, um, like you said, a propaganda film. Um, that's probably the reason why it was recognized for nominations um, over some of his better known films. Yeah. And, you know, um, this movie was uh, included in the National Film Registry of um, historically important movies, so I imagine it has its fans, but yeah, it is, it does seem like this movie has been forgotten in comparison to his uh, more famous movies. Hmm. I still like a lot of it, so. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. 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 Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. So now it is time to announce our winners. Okay, where are we starting at? So we're um we're starting as usual with special effects and ending with picture and we're gonna take turns with the guest one first. As always. Okay. Feels like forever ago when we announced the nominee, so I forgot where we started at. Um, for special effects, uh, my winner in that category is The Invisible Woman, uh, because they made a woman invisible. Very good. So my winner is The Devil and Daniel Webster, which I guess on the surface may not, may not have the most obvious special effects, but I feel like it was the most creative in this category of my nominees. Yeah, that's a good winner. 
so next we have best film editing okay and my nominee uh, excuse me my winner in that category is going to be citizen kane uh edited by future oscar-winning director robert wise yeah it it's kind of wild just thinking about how uh man who started out editing like he edited citizen kane and then went on to write stuff like west side story mm-hmm. like and just being able to i don't know it's just insane and so yeah cool. and uh i should you know just uh, elaborating on that um it is the most creative editing um in this category and the most influential just because of the way that it um it it cuts back and forth through different timelines um and is seamless and most importantly coherent so it was an obvious winner for me in that category yeah and my winner is the same citizen kane well uh great minds think alike yeah it's just most obvious choice for all its endless innovations so next we have best makeup uh my winner in that uh, category is again going to be citizen kane um because of all that old age makeup and my winner is the same citizen kane i could have easily gone with the devil and daniel webster in this as well but um you know there's there's so much intricate aging makeup uh in citizen kane it felt like i should have rewarded that yeah and i think that's another one of the um ways this movie's proven influential like the way it popularized old age makeup more than any other film up to that point i'd argue so next we have best costume design okay um i am going with the little foxes in that category um you know it's the most uh, obviously costumed movie uh, with all of those uh, period dresses um but it is also a, a beautifully costumed movie um very uh, very intricate and um very much tied to character which i appreciate right so my winner is also the little boxes for the reasons you brought up uh the most obviously designed and the most tied to the characters i could have easily gone with the lady even this category as well just because of all of the uh, great uh, for the same reasons honestly because of uh, how edith head um uses costumes to create uh, essentially two different characters for barbara stanwick um yeah that is a good point and i appreciate how the costumes in that movie are used to tell the story so next is best art direction uh that's where i'm going to uh give my first prize to how green was my valley um because um it it 
does such a good job of putting you in a specific time and place um, and creating this Welsh coal mining town um, and, 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 and giving it like, not just like a, you know, putting you within the period, but really making you feel as though you are a part of this world. And my word is also how green is my valley for all the reasons you brought up. And I feel like out of all my nominees, this one is most tied to its production design. It is the titular valley and it's used in the story most obviously and yeah so next we have best sound recording uh my winner in that category is going to be fantasia uh because of the music very good choice so my winner is that hamilton woman hmm. good uh good choice get her elaborate yeah um i just feel like it captured all the various different stages of uh emma hamilton's romance with horatio nelson and the different time periods and just making it sound clear and precise. Oh, it's a good winner. You won't hear any argument from me. Yeah, and it was the Academy's choice in reality. And I think it's an inspired choice, even over something like Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm which also has a lot of innovative sound. It does, yeah. A lot of innovative everything. Yeah. So next is best cinematography. Uh, well, I mean, I have to go with Citizen Kane on this one uh, because of all the innovation uh, that that movie had. I think the cinematography um, is the most obvious one. Um, yeah, I mean, just every you know, the use of deep focus, low angles, um, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a masterpiece of cinematography. And my winner is also Citizen Kane. It's just, how could you not go with that this year? Like the look, like the deep focus and the innovative cutting and the angles, it's just, it is the cinematography of 1941, put in the simplest terms. Which is not to take away from the winner in this category, which was How Green yeah. Is My Valley, a, a beautifully shot movie. Um, but um, yeah, I think you just, you have to give it to Greg Toland uh, this year for really um, inspiring generations of, of filmmakers. Yeah. There is, uh, I did find a lot of German and expressionism inspired mm -hmm. uh, shots in How Grims My Valley that I did appreciate. And I liked the way the valley looked. Oh, sure. And I definitely won. But yeah, Citizen Kane. Um, 
So next we have best original score. I'm going with Citizen Kane on this one again uh, from the great Bernard Herman. The most memorable score that there is. Yeah. And even when it doesn't have like any obvious motifs, it's just perfectly suits the movie and adds to the mood and it sticks with you. And my winner is also Citizen Kane from the great Bernard Herrmann who actually won this year for The Devil and Daniel Webster. Right, yeah. That is uh, <laughs> talking about winning for the wrong movie. Yeah. I mean, Which you know, not of course a- Devil and Daniel, it's a, that's a good score too, but It is odd that he won for that and not Citizen Kane. But I guess even then they didn't. Maybe they just didn't. They don't really uh, list the names of the composers on the ballots. So. Well, I think you also have to look back at the historical context of um, the reactions to Citizen Kane in 1941. So. you know, I mean, it, even though I got all of these nominations and, and won for screenplay, um, it was not a well-liked movie, um, uh, by and large, um, mostly because of, um, you know, the way that it portrayed, or, or seemed to portray William Randolph Hearst. Um, but anyway, I'm glad I got these nominations at least, and we can make up for it now on the alternate Oscars. Yeah, yeah. So next we have Best Original Song. Uh, I'm going with uh, Baby Mine from Dumbo um, because it's uh, the song that uh, it it might not be the uh, catchiest tune, but um, it's the most emotional one. My winner is Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B from Buck Privates. And it's just such a catchy and memorable tune, and I just really love how it sounds, and I just feel like I associate it with 1941, among many other things. It's a great song. I mean, I suppose it's the most well-known one of the uh, nominees uh, list. Yeah. So next is Best Animated Short Film. Uh, I'm going with Superman, the uh, first Superman animated short piece of history there. Yeah, uh, my winner is also Superman. Um, Like, this is something that I watched in my childhood, and it's just remarkable what they achieved back then, and it still holds up today. It does, yeah, very much so. And it also influenced, like, uh, I don't remember his name, but the creator of the Batman animated series and Mm. Superman animated series. Mm. He looked these shorts for, like, the animation style of those cartoons, Bruce Timm. And I really enjoyed those cartoons as well. And, yeah. They're just, it's just great. 
So next is best foreign film. I'm going with the 47 rounder from the great Kinsey Mitsuguchi, um, one of the great uh, Japanese filmmakers of the era, great movies of the era. And my winner is also the 47 Ronin. Well, I mean, uh, no argument from us there. Um, yeah, one of the great unsung heroes of, of uh, Japanese cinema. Made a lot of great films um, in the 40s and 50s, um, so people should check him out. Yeah. So next we have best adapted screenplay. I'm going with the Maltese Falcon from John Huston, um, one of the uh, great adaptations in history, and also uh, a screenplay that inspired um, an entire genre of film, film noir. And after some careful thoughts, I considered giving this to the little foxes, but I also only have to go with the Maltese Falcon. The little foxes is a great script too from the uh, Lillian Hellman, uh, great Pulitzer yeah. Prize winning playwright. But um, yeah, I think you got to give it to what Houston uh, created. Yeah. I did also consider How Green Was My Valley, which is an effective adaptation of the Richard Lynn novel, mm. but, and I'll admit I am surprised that it didn't actually win, considering that How Green Was My Valley won Best Picture and won and so, Academy Award. Yeah, yeah, that is odd that that was the one that it, it didn't win, so. Yeah, I guess it was more seen as a uh, a directing achievement, maybe, by John Ford, since he was such a visionary. And the winner, the actual winner that year was Here Comes Mr. Jordan. A good movie, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, not a screenplay winner. <laughs> so, uh... so, um, next is Next is best original screenplay. I got to go with Citizen Kane on that one. Um, you know, again, innovative screenplay by Herman Mankiewicz and Orson Welles, um, or just Herman Mankiewicz, uh, depending on you know uh, who you believe. Um, yeah. And my winner is also Citizen Kane. I mean, what more can you say? You know, it's just uh, it it changed the game in terms of how you tell a story on film, you know, with all of the um, overlapping timelines, uh, the density of the narrative, um, the complexity of the characters and um, the dialogue. I mean, you know, it's just perhaps the greatest screenplay ever written, you could argue. Yeah. Um, and there are like plenty of legendary screenplays, but this, go, this goes up there just by way of its sheer innovation and status. And of course, Citizen Kane is also my winner. And it's hard to really argue with it. Like, it's just one of the greatest screenplays ever written. Up there was something like Chinatown. Mm -hmm. 
So next we have Best Supporting Actress. Uh, I'm going with Teresa Wright in The Little Foxes. And that is a very good winner. And of the actual nominees, she'd be my winner. But of my nominees, I have to go with Mary Astor for the Maltese Falcon. I was I considered going with her. It was it was a tough call for me. Honestly, like of, of my five nominees, it was a tough call for me because um, I also loved Dorothy Comingor in uh, Citizen Kane. Um, I just feel like. You know, uh, Teresa Wright, uh, one of the great actresses of the 1940s. Um, I got to give her a win somewhere, you know. Um, and uh, she's fantastic in The Little Foxes. Uh, goes toe to toe with Betty Davis, um, which is not an easy feat for an actress. Yeah. Um, I decided that I would take care of Teresa Wright later on <laughs> and I just felt that I wanted to give Mary Astor a win for probably her most iconic role mm -hmm. I mean you almost started so, the Academy winner so. yeah so next is Best Supporting Actor uh, I've grown with Sydney Greenstreet for the Maltese Falcon um, so it's like his big movie debut that uh, he was in his 60s i believe and um became a, a big big supporting actor throughout the 1940s because of it um he's wonderful in the movie yeah he is he's just one of those consummate character actors and his take on casper gutman is just extraordinary it's just one of those great supporting turns. And Casper Gutman is just such an imposing figure because of Green Street and the gravitas he lends to that role. <laughs> I went with Joseph Cotton in Citizen Kane. Yeah, that was my runner up. And he does such a good job just playing that close friend that Citizen Kane turns, uh, that um, Charles Kane turns his back on. Mm -hmm. Like, the one scene that stuck with me is when uh, Charles Kane fired Jedediah Leland. I don't remember the specific line, but that really is a powerful scene. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy that Joseph Cotton was never nominated for an Oscar throughout his career. I mean, when you look at movies like this, Magnificent Ambersons, Shadow of the Doubt, Third Man, um, any one of those would have been a, a nomination-worthy performance. And particularly for this film, I think it's, it's, it's really egregious that he was not recognized. Both he and Dorothy Comingor, um should have been nominees. Yeah, it is strange. So next we have Best Actress. I'm going with Barbara Stanwyck in The Lady Eve. Um, just one of the great comedic performances. Um, an incredible mix of, of comedy and sexuality, um, high comedy, low comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to give it to her. Yeah, that is a great 
performance and like you said blends comedy with a sense of urgency and just charm and sexuality and I think it's one of the roles that when we think of Barbara Stanwyck we think of a role like this mm-hmm. or double indemnity mm-hmm. which is also I, I would have given her the Oscar for as well that year so uh, Stanwyck may not have won an Academy Award in real life but she'll win one at the Zach Laws Awards so mm-hmm. I've already given her one for um uh, it's a miracle woman. Oh, okay. So you've got one up on me then. <laughs> what year was that for? It remind me um, again. 1931. When? On 1931. 1931. Okay. Um, I'll have to check and see who my winner was that year. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an underrated Frank Capra movie. Mm-hmm. And I'd say emblematic of the movies that he made before it happened one night. Mm-hmm. So my winner this year is Betty Davis in the Little Boxes. Great performance. Uh, yeah. And I think the difficult task she had was differentiating her take from that of Toledo Bankheads. And I think it works in the context of this film and the way the play is adapted. Yeah, I, um, Betty Davis is one of those people who could do so much um, with so little. Um, in terms of like what you were putting onto the screen, I, I remember the scene of her just sort of sitting coldly by as um, I believe it's her husband who is, who is dying of, uh, of poisoning. Um, you know, she doesn't say a word in that scene, but she's just, magnificent to watch um you know just like the cold brutality of her icy stare yeah so next is best actor i'm going with orson wells for citizen kane um you know plays this character from a young man to an old man and is totally believable and commanding in every single moment. Um, a great category uh, for leading men, but you know, this was just a clear favorite for me. I will say that my runner up here is Humphrey Bogart for the Maltese Falcon, um, but I take care of Bogart a lot in my, in my awards. Yeah, and my winner is also Orson Welles and Citizen Kane. Like, the fact that he even created this movie and played this role is remarkable in and of itself. But what he does with the role is legendary, remarkable. It's a stunning achievement. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to add. <laughs> so next we have Best Director. Sound like a broken record, but Orson Welles for Citizen Kane. Just some of the most innovative direction of all time. And the fact that he did it while also starring in the film is, I mean, I, I cannot imagine uh, holding 
both of those roles at the same time and pulling them off so effortlessly. Yeah. I did consider giving it to them, mm. but since I'm already giving them Best Actor and Best Director Screenplay, I decided to go with John Ford for How Great Was My Valley. Good choice. My, my second choice. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like I just admired the vision that he brought to this movie. And even though I might prefer something like The Grapes of Wrath, this is still a remarkable entry in his uh, filmography, full of a lot of classics. Yeah, it's very sensitively directed um, and with a real you know, in fact, it's it's good to point out that uh, John Ford was Orson Welles' favorite American director. But often, I believe it was The Grapes of Wrath that he screened over and over, or Stagecoach. It was one of those two. He screened over and over again as he was making Citizen Kane. So you see that, that influence that somebody like Ford had on a person like Wells, who was being so innovative in his craft but also looked to this great classic master like John Ford. And, and that's, that kind of direction in How Green Was My Valley is, um, it, it's very easy to take for granted, but um, he directs it with such sensitivity and such grace and such beauty um, and never goes overly into sentimentality at the same time. Yeah. And I do appreciate how Wells admired him so strongly and I can even see like how Ford would influence uh, many of Wells' films. So next is the big one again, Outstanding Production. There's uh, no shock to you, I'm going with Citizen Kane. And my winner is also the same, Citizen Kane. This was a great year for film, um, but one just towers over the over everything, and for good reason. I mean, what more can you say about the movie that is consistently cited as the greatest of all time? Um, now, of course, I, I want to say you know it's easy to make the assumption that because Citizen Kane lost to How Green Was My Valley, How Green Was My Valley is therefore a bad movie which is something that is often, um, that's often the way that these things are chalked up to be. Um, it's not, it's a masterpiece. Um, and one of the best winners um, of all time. It's just Citizen Kane happens to be, you know, the goat yeah. of American cinema. Yeah, and I guess, what you said in the context of 1941, I did uh, read some like sources that expected Citizen Kane to win more than it did, but I definitely understand why it didn't. Like there was a ton of controversy surrounding William Randolph Hearst and his descent of the movie, and. There was, even, there was even some backlash against Wells himself. It was like this 
Bad Boy and Firebrand. And I'd argue he definitely maintains that reputation throughout his career as a sort of Firebrand rebel of sorts. He was, he definitely rarely played it safe, like in terms of his trajectory. And he, uh, from what I've seen and read of him, had a really fascinating career in filmography. Yeah, I mean, he was only 25 years old when he made this movie, people have to remember, which is remarkable in and of itself, but I mean, it's easy to see why so many people would feel um, like they needed to take him down a peg, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's easy to see why How Green Was My Valley and John Ford was the obvious choice of that year, because Ford had already won two Oscars for directing without having won Best Picture. Um, you know, it was uh, a big studio production based on a, an acclaimed novel. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 very easy to see why that would be the film that would um, sweep the Academy Awards this year. Um, even though, you know, Citizen Kane, we, we know today that it was such a remarkable achievement, but it really wasn't until a decade after the fact that people started to appreciate it as, you know, this groundbreaking achievement. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think that was in part due to uh, some French film critics like, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely, yeah, Caillou de Cinema, um, sight and sound poles, you know, all that stuff. And of course, you know, the generations of filmmakers who came after Orson Welles, the people like Scorsese, um, you know, the, the William Friedkins of the world, uh, who yeah. say when they saw it, it was the movie, Peter Bogdanovich, you know, the movie that made them want to become filmmakers. Um, so, it's you know, it's like, it's always important to remember, you know, we talk a lot about a lot about this in terms of modern day Oscars. We say, why aren't they recognizing this movie or that movie? At the end of the day, um, you know, there's all kinds of circumstances that go into it. And the important thing is that time uh, will determine which movies become long lasting classics, not necessarily the Academy Awards. Yeah. So, I guess now is a good time to announce the audience questions. I'm going to ask a question, I'm going to answer the questions from the audience. Okay. So, from Dimitri Merritt, not really uh, framed as a question, but more, he said, the Little Foxes was one of the most nominated films of the year, and Betty Davis's performance is widely heralded. She had just abruptly quit her post as the Academy's first female president. Her film's unprecedented complete snub would seem a backlash for her gumption. Um, I mean, I guess you could chalk it up to that, but I mean, I think it's also just, you know, we see movies time and again get multiple nominations and not win anything. Um, Color Purple, Irishman Turning recently, point. Turning Point, you know, sometimes it's just um, luck of the draw in terms of categories, but, uh, you know, I mean, I certainly could see that being a reason why Betty Davis might not have won since, um, you know, so she had, I mean, she had just won two Oscars as well, so that you, you could 
chalk it up to that. But yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, yeah, I do wonder why uh, the little foxes didn't win anything. Like, I guess going over everything was nominated in, like, I'll pull it up and see. Maybe we can uh, see how close it was in each category it was. Like, well, I mean, I think, okay, so, you know, um, Best Actress, um, Betty Davis had just won twice. Joan Fontaine was coming off of a near win for Rebecca. So you can look at that as a makeup win uh, for you know doing another Hitchcock movie um, the very next year. Um, I'm sure that Teresa Wright and Patricia Collins probably split the vote in supporting actress. Maybe if one had been nominated and not the other, one of them would have won. Yeah, I guess multiple nominees from the same movie in these uh, acting categories it is always it is always a question of how much vote splitting uh, can factor in to something uh, can factor in yeah but even with someone like Mary Astor she um, she had already uh, built up a lot of uh, steam in the industry and she had two uh, notable movie roles uh, for winning performance and the Maltese Falcon. So it's easy to see why she would um, have enough momentum on her own to win. Yeah. And then with um, William Wyler, he would win the following year for Mrs. Miniver. And he was probably close, you know, considering how many times he'd been nominated up to then. Yeah. I imagine the directing category was pretty competitive that year between John Ford, Howard Hawks, William Wyler, even Orson Walls. And then... I'm sure it was close to some of these tech categories like art direction and costumes, but... Oh, well, they didn't have a costume category. Um, oh, like geez, 41. excuse me. Yeah, you're right. I, that was not until, like, what, 48? That was the first... I'm thinking of my own costume nominees, so... <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, with art direction, but the how green is my valley. I guess you can't argue with that. Um, then film editing went to Sergeant York, which I completely get. It's the war movie. War yeah. movies are popular. Makes sense. Uh, and then original score, um, which went to The Devil and Daniel Webster. It is a question of just how close it was in any of these categories, and... I'm sure that if Betty Davis had not won either of her Oscars, or even just one of them, she probably would have won Best Actress that year. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's again, like, it's, it's always this, you know, it's always this um, confluence of circumstances, right, in terms of how many Oscars these movies win. So, I, I don't know if Obviously, they liked the movie enough to nominate it. I think that it was a lot of just bad luck in terms of what it was nominated against. Yeah. Um, so, from Owen Daly, they asked uh, two questions. Um, 
Their first was in the ongoing saga, that is the de Havilland Fontan sisters. Who do you think comes out best this year? Well, I guess Fontaine for me, since um, you know, I nominated her for suspicion. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Hold Back the Dawn, you know, that's um, uh, that's a good little movie directed by Mitchell Leeson, kind of an underrated um, old Hollywood pro. Um, it's not my favorite movie of his. It's not my favorite movie of his that he made with Olivia de Havilland, um, even. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, de Havilland could have made my ballot another year, but um, I, I, I suppose in real life, uh, Fontaine came out on top too since she won the Oscar this year. So. Yeah, um, I guess the the sisterly feud is stuff of legend um, in Hollywood nowadays. But I guess Fontaine comes out the best, just just by winning this year, and. The Avaland would have her moments in another Mitchell Beeson movie, um, each his own, which is a pretty wonderful little movie, mm-hmm. and I'd argue is underrated. I do, yeah. I think it's a really good movie. Good performance. And yeah, so um, their second question was. Uh, were Barbara Stanwyck and Mary Astor recognized for the right performances this year? Certainly Mary Astor wasn't, um, since we both nominated for the Maltese Falcon. I would also say Stanwyck wasn't either, but um, I do like Ball of Fire quite a bit. Um, I don't begrudge her that nomination, I just think that it would have been uh, preferable that you get in for the Lady Eve. Yeah. Um, the basically the same here like Mary Astor should have been recognized for the Maltese Falcon um uh do we want to talk about why it didn't get more nominations it only got three the Maltese Falcon I don't I mean I guess it was just you know um I guess it was one of those things where maybe people didn't appreciate the craft quite as much as they should have certainly like Bogart should have been nominated, um, but you know they might have just kind of thought oh, this isn't like a serious performance. I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly it made my ballot in more places. And um, again, like time has proven that that movie is a masterpiece and one of the most influential films of all time, even if the Academy didn't recognize it. Yeah. It- um, yeah, I would agree with everything you said. I guess it was just seen as more of a pulpy blockbuster uh, at the time. I sure should be thankful that even got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. It was lucky to be there, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. And for Bob Stanwyck, I'll just co-sign what you said. Her uh, Ball of Fire nomination is good, but... Her performance, her performance in Lady Eve is better. Mm-hmm. Um, so from Fritz and the Oscars, Joan is the only acting winner directed by Hitchcock. Why do you know? I mean, uh, what do you think about this? And what other performance directed by him were deserving? 
Oh God. Well, I mean, you know, just take your pick. James Stewart in uh, Vertigo, Kim Novak in Vertigo, um, Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee in Psycho. Um, you know, Claude Rain. Bergman and Claude Rains and Notorious. There's, there's so many that should have been recognized. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I would also like to shout out George Sanders in the two Hitchcock movies he had in 1940. Mm-hmm. I gave him my supporting actor win the, in the last episode. Joan Fontaine probably would have been my actress winner for Rebecca. Um, if not necessarily yeah. for suspicion. Um, I don't have a strong opinion about this being the only uh, Hitchcock performance to win an Oscar, except to say that it's it's indicative of how the Academy viewed him at the time. Yeah. And even just going into why Rebecca was the Hitchcock movie that won Best Picture, I could argue that it won Best Picture more because of David O. Selznick and not so much because of Hitchcock. Right. Because David O. Selznick was a very notable figure in uh, in that time. Uh, yeah, especially you know coming off of Happy Just One Forgot the Wind. Yeah. And this is from Amy Thompson. Please discuss any redeeming qualities of Green with my valley. It gets hate for beating Citizen Kane and the Maltese Falcon, but do you think the film has any positives? I think. We've yeah, I think we've covered that. Yeah, I, like I said, it's a great movie. Um, it it, um, it mostly gets all that hate just because, you know, if it's placed in Academy history, which is a shame. Yeah, I don't have any, I don't have a bad thing to say about the movie. Yeah, neither do I. Um, this is from Emily Blakowski. In your opinion, what films were snubbed at this year's Oscars? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the Lady Eve talked about a lot. That's one of the greatest films ever made. Um, I think uh, High Sierra also could have, um, should have shown up in some categories. Fantasia, um, although I guess they weren't quite into nominating animated films uh, for Best Picture yet. Or, or even Dumbo as well uh, would have been a worthy nominee. Um, I'm surprised Ball of Fire wasn't a nominee, like, considering it got, like, four nominations. And pretty big nominations, too. I mean, Best Actress, Screenplay. Uh, also for Sound and Score. Mm-hmm. And Ralph with Women's Score. And, uh, I guess I'm also surprised that that Hamilton Woman didn't do better. Maybe they just decided that Blossoms in the Dust was um, uh, enough to fill for women-led um, historical biopics. Yeah. Even though that Hamilton woman is far better. I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess they also decided to throw a nomination for Best Picture to One Foot in Heaven, which is uh, just a head-scratcher by today's standards. Which, yeah, nominated for, back in the day when it was like nominated for one Academy Award Best Picture. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, like you just, whatever it is that the voters are enjoying at that time. Um, yeah, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just all about circumstances. Yeah. So, um, do you have any final thoughts on this year as a whole? Uh, well, I mean, it's a terrific year for movies. Um, you have a lot of really groundbreaking films like Citizen Kane, The Maltese Falcon, I'd argue The Lady Eve as well, and How Green Was My Valley. Uh, Fantasia, certainly, uh, in terms of what it did for animation. Um, and I don't think that, in, you know, it, it, gets, it gets a lot of flack for being the year that Citizen Kane lost, but I think that um, they also chose one of the very best, best picture winners of that, uh, of that decade and of all time. Um, they had a lot of mediocre choices to cope with this year, including some that got nominated for best picture. So I think that um, people should really be uh, um, a little bit kinder to uh, this Academy Awards year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will talk about, oh, Citizen Kane lost, who talks about how green is my valley? And it's, I, I'd say that's a really lazy take. And people should appreciate all the fantastic films that were released this year, not just Citizen Kane. Yeah, there's a lot of gems to look at. Yeah. So, um, thank you, Zach, for agreeing to be on this podcast. Thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So, um, how can we find you on social media? Just search my name on Twitter and uh, Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, it's at Zach Laws, Z-A-C-H-L-A-W-S. Here. Um, so you can find me on social media at, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe the Joker with two underscores. You can find me on Instagram um, at my name, Gabe Bourne, with a single underscore. You can find me on Letterboxd as Mr. Hulo. And then... Letterboxd, too. I forgot about I, I, In this new age, you can find me on Letterboxd at Zach Lost, too. Yeah. And then be sure to follow um, the Alternate Oscars account on Twitter, at Alternate Oscars. should be easy enough to find. I also write for Keith Loves Movies, and my review of Cinderella has just been published. So go check that out. I have choice for us to say. Be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake. Be sure to subscribe to whatever service you use. And until the next episode, sit back and relax, choose and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the alternate Oscars. Millions of Spain off Jersey Coast. Is that really your idea of how to run a newspaper? I don't know how to run a newspaper, Mr. Thatcher. I just try everything I can think of. Charles, you know perfectly well there's not the slightest proof of this. Armada's off the Jersey Hello, Coast. Hello, Mr. Bernstein. Excuse me, Mr. Can you prove it isn't? This just Mr. Bernstein, in. I'd like you to meet Mr. Thatcher. I'll just borrow How do you do, Mr. Thatcher? Leland, uh, Mr. Thatcher, my ex-guardian. We have no secrets from our readers, Mr. Bernstein. Mr. Thatcher is one of our most devoted readers. He knows what's wrong with every copy of the Inquirer since I took over. Read the cable. Girls delightful in Cuba, stop. Could send you prose poems about scenery, but don't feel right spending your money. Stop. There is no war in Cuba. Signed, Wheeler. Any answer? Yes, dear Wheeler, you provide the prose poems. I'll provide the war.
That's fine, Mr. Kane. Yes, I rather like myself. So, right away. I came to see you about this campaign of yours. 